Hi there, and welcome to Indie Know, a podcast hosted by me, Lane Northcutt. Each episode, I will interview an indie author or publishing professional and chat about all things related to the author journey, including writing, editing, publishing, marketing, advertising, and so much more. If you're an author or just interested in learning more about writing, then stick around. Each week, my goal is simple, to help you learn a bit more about the craft and the industry. After listening, I hope you'll feel a little bit more Indie Know. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Indie Know. Today's guest is S. Elizabeth Cook. S. Elizabeth Cook is a true romantic and poet native to Kentucky. Stumbling from coffee shop to tavern, to the edge of boulders and shorelines, she scribbles poems and haikus on napkins and forgotten scraps of paper. S. Elizabeth began her poetic journey by posting photographs of her works on social media and continues a daily haiku project. Without further ado, welcome S. Elizabeth. Fantastic. Thanks, Lane. Yeah. Um, first off, thank you so much for being here. Uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I- I'd love to know a little bit more about you personally. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and how you got started in this crazy career of, of being an author. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, I, as, as far back as I can remember as a kid, you know, people have those, what are you going to be when you grow up? And um, I did have the pretty generic, like, oh, I'll be a lawyer, or I'll be a doctor. But there was something always in the back of my mind. It was like, I want to be on someone's bookshelf. You know, I, I didn't know how I was going to do it. I wasn't really sure what type of writing I was going to do. I just knew for a fact that being on a bookshelf was was my goal. And that's what was going to make me happy in life. So, I mean, from from the moment that I could write, I kept a journal. I have countless journals on my bookshelf now. Um, some have even given away as gifts, you know, and or some I, I go back and look through them on, on many occasion. Um, but I, I've just been trying to write every single day of my life. Uh, I started writing novels or short stories, you know, long form is what I thought I was going to be good at. And then I quickly realized story arcs and, you know, character arcs aren't really my thing. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm, it, I was noticing that my chapters were short when the books of famous authors that I was reading, it was like, you know, 40, maybe 50 pages in a chapter. Mm-hmm. And I was someone that would say something very quickly. And I, I didn't want to describe, um, you know, the color of the sun on a couple of pages. I wanted to say it with one line. And, and so that's when I got into poetry and it's, it's been my sweet spot ever since. That's great. And, and I'd love to know a little bit more about your, your poetry, especially the, and I followed you a lot on, on social media, you know, throughout your journey. And, and I love seeing the photos of these napkins and scraps of paper that you leave around. And can you talk a little bit more about that project? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it started maybe, what am I, 20, 28 now? <laughs> it started when I was like 22 it is, is the first time that I ever did it. And, you know, I'm from a small town in Kentucky where creativity wasn't very much encouraged um, or it was just seen as like, you know, a hobby. But there was this coffee shop, the creme that I used to go to every single day. And something about that environment was beautiful. It was very antique inside. It, the people that existed there were poetry themselves. So I would, I would write very often about them and what I have observed with the individuals that came in and out of the coffee shop. And I wanted them to know what I thought of them. And so I would write a, a poem on a napkin and, and I would just leave it on the coffee table, hopefully hoping that someone would find it. And, and, it, and I would always leave my Instagram handle on there. And 
uh, someone did reach out to me and said that they'd seen my poems left and how it was just, you know, they loved it and it was pretty. And so I just started taking pictures of them and um, it, it's, that's kind of been my style ever since is um, not just providing art through my, my words and the poetry, but what it really looks like aesthetically. So I try to match what is on the page to what's happening in the surrounding, you know? So if I'm talking about storms and rubble and wreckage, I'm going to put it next to like broken pieces of glass or, or, you know, splintered wood or just like crumbled up rocks everywhere. And I really found that that was uh, kind of captivating for my audience. And it was two different types of outlets that I had. So poetry and photography. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And can you talk a little bit about how you went from, you know, writing a little scribble on a, on a napkin to combining all of these into a single book? Well, I noticed that there was always a theme in all of them. And after, after writing for years, I compiled, as you can imagine, hundreds <laughs> of these, of these napkins. And, um, I, when I was 20, I think 23, I decided that I wanted to do my first book and mm -hmm. it was, it was a small chat book. So I self-published it and, um, it felt really great to just see the progression of my poems so they weren't just one-offs, right? Like I was telling a story, but in a very different way than maybe you would tell a story. You know, I, I don't um, go deep into characters or, you know, a plot line. It's eat one little moment that leads to a next moment and, and my emotions in there. Right. And speaking of um, your emotions, a lot of your poetry is, is very deep and, and connected to, to you personally and, and also those, those people and, and events around you, right? Yes. Yeah. I, I always write about, you know, people that I see, or I always joked that I fall in love every day and then I fall out of love just as quickly because, <laughs> you know, I, a lot of, um, a lot of my poems, I do have a, a pretty constant muse for the most part, but sometimes it's, I fall in love with someone right there and I don't know their name or, you know, their, their story. It's just what they did. in those like maybe 30 seconds that I watched them that, that really captivated me. And and so I do very much write about my personal life and my personal feelings, but I've always believed that my poems are for the reader. So mm -hmm. I try to leave a, a little bit of mystery in there. I, a lot of my poems are very metaphor or, you know, metaphor, simile, symbols heavy so that it, you can't read it and be like, oh, you know, she went through this at this moment. It, you get to relate to it a little bit more. Right. You keep them a little more global that way, right? Yeah. I'd love to bring it back to the self-publishing part of it real, real, real quick. Um, mm -hmm. Because you, you published this, your first book, um, this, this chat book as your, your first book published, all self. You did everything and you had the book in your hand. You were really excited. And then you decided to try a different route with your next book. Can you talk a little bit about the decision on, on moving in that direction? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I yeah, so I self-published my first and then the two after that, I, I had a publisher. And I think for me, the the biggest thing was I didn't have the drive that I made that I might have now mm -hmm. um, when I was 23 years old to to really market my book or or even do the research that I should have done to make sure that my book got out into the hands that it should be or to get reviews or, you know, all those things you have to do to, right. to have a successful <laughs> book launch. I wasn't going to do that. That's not who I was at the time. Um, and I, I really wanted someone else to help me. And I also think 
unfortunately, that time is I didn't feel like a real writer by self-publishing. And now I have a completely different opinion. And I see the I see the value in self-publishing and I see that, uh, you know, I mean, we've even talked about it. It could be a route that I go in the future. Um, but at that time, I really did feel like I needed a publisher. And so I did and I searched and I searched and I received many rejection letters <laughs> until, <laughs> until I found the one that was right for me. Yeah. And, and I love that you brought up rejection letters, right? Because that's that's something that I think a lot of authors face and sometimes don't know how to deal with it. So can you can you talk a little bit about your experience with receiving rejection letters, how you cope with those, and and how you use them to grow and move forward? Yeah, I think the rejection letter is a, a huge part of a writer's journey, and I think it's not talked about as often as it should be. You know, I, I just did a workshop um, earlier this month on, you know, asking the existential question, are you a real writer? And one thing that I touched on was that the movies or books or plays, or they really idealize a writer and what they should be, you know, that they should have these main qualities. Like, I don't know, you're a brooding and tortured soul. You eventually moved to New York city, but you came from a small town Um, or, you know, you get your first big break with the first big publishing house that you send your manuscript to. And it's like, that's not what happens, you know, like, no. You know, I, I will. I do have a brooding soul sometimes, and, and I did come from a small town, but I don't want to move into New York, and I did not get my first uh, manuscript published by the first house. I I received like thirty something rejection letters, and you know, at first it's kind of hard uh, when you're told no so many times, and and you don't really get a reason. No, it's always just like, thank you for submitting. We've chosen to go a different route, and mm, yeah. Um, it, it can it can be draining and it can be discouraging. Um, I always just say, you know, make that into something. You know, I think we talked about it earlier and, and I said it in my workshop is I wrote a poem on the back of one of my rejection letters and that poem ended up being in my second book that was published by a publishing house. So, you know, it, you just really have to find the one that's right for you. It's It's definitely strength in numbers and it is a numbers game you need to send your manuscript to as many publishers as you can you know get it get it in front of as many eyes that will be willing to look at it um but ultimately there's usually always a handful that is that is actually right for you like your values align with them they publish types of work that you're interested in or that's even right up your alley um it it just takes time and it it is it's hard (laughs) oh absolutely um, what are your what are your thoughts on on how an author can go about querying agents and and publishing houses and how do they how do they find these people and and what are your what are your suggestions for them to do when they're first querying them? Yeah, the first one is I think you should just do a broad search. You know, cast your net very wide. Um, so, for instance, like if you're like me and you live in in uh, St. Louis. I wouldn't even say look for St. Louis publishers. I would type in what is your genre and then type in publisher in Google and see what happens. And there are a ton of great resources out there like poetry.com and, or, you know, writers.com or, or one of those, one of those dot coms out there <laughs> that, that list a ton of publishers that are accepting manuscripts. And, and a big thing is, is if you want to get an agent or not, you know, some publishers right. will not accept work that did not come through an agent. Um, and so that's a decision you have to make as well. You know, from personally, I did not get an agent. Um, Mm -hmm. So it it did, unfortunately, take out a lot of the big, you know, like Penguin, Penguin House wouldn't take me because I don't have an agent. 
Um, so, so you do right. find those very small publishing houses. Um, but I, I almost think it's, they're, they're worth it. Cause they, you, they take the time to get to know you and it's not, it's not another number for them. It's they love your book and they want to publish it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and these big publishing houses, right? The big five, which is, I believe, soon to be the big four with a new merger. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, like you said, they do usually require an agent and that can be difficult to, to find a, the right agent and, and even to make that decision to have an agent. And um, it's, just, it's interesting that you brought up the fact that you can get a lot out of a boutique or, or smaller publisher, right? And mm-hmm. I would love to know your experience when working with your publisher and some of the things that you learned through working with them that you wouldn't have gotten on your own. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've had two. Um, my second book was published by a very small I, Rad Press Publishing. And then this y- Yellow Light, um, I'm signed with Olympia Publishers right now. And I'm actually working with them on my next book. We're, we're going over contracts right now. But um, Amazing. Thank you. Um, what, what, what I've learned with them is you, you have to give up just a little bit of control, which, which can be difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, I imagine if, if you go self-publishing route, that's not the case. You, you have full control. So there's, there's patience that you have to, you have to have and, um, be willing to just kind of listen to them because they are the experts in this realm. You know, like we're, we're the writers, and some of us, you know, I think you've done an incredible job at marketing your book and and getting it out there and doing the logistical work that's needed. Yeah. To do. <laughs> it's great. Um, and, but some of us, we don't have those those skills. Um, so it, it's it's listening and learning. But a big thing that I took away was that you do not give a publisher your book and wipe your hands clean. You have to take an active role in marketing your book in any type of promotions and reaching out for reviews. Um, it's not, it's not to say once you get a publisher, you're done and you're going to be highly successful. It's still very dependent on what you do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what are, what are some of the things that you, you feel like you may have given up a little bit on, but ended up working out really well for you? Sometimes it's, it's as simple as like the cover. Uh, mm-hmm. is I, I typically have a really strong, cause I work in marketing and so I, I do kind of have an eye for creative and design and uh, just marketing in general. So, so when they always give me the cover, it I have to take a minute to say, okay, maybe this isn't what I would have done, but why did they do this? You know, what what, what were their decisions? Um, and and it's usually a back and forth conversation with them whether or not they like that or not. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going to ask questions, but. But it, ultimately, I always end up going with their expertise. You know, I may make a few changes here and there, but they know what's going to stand out on a bookshelf and they know um, what will work best. Now, can you talk a little bit about the the short form versus the long form in in publishing and the the trends that you're seeing with sales regarding that? Is it is it easier, do you think, to to sell a book of poetry or harder to sell a book of poetry usually compared to that of a novel? You know, I wish I had a really good answer for that. I feel like my my opinions are maybe a little cynical, and because <laughs> uh, I I personally don't think poetry sells as well as as a novel, especially like a YA novel. I think that that's just killing it right now in the market. <laughs> yeah. um, poetry, I think, is can be a little lost on people, and I've been saying this for a few years, and I always feel bad for saying it because I hate to like 
put the burden on the reader, but I do think that sometimes poetry isn't as straightforward as maybe people would prefer. And and I do think that that has a lot of like to do with culture and, you know, where, how entertainment is moving at large, not just in the, the the writing space. Mm -hmm. Um, I think, I think quick content and digestible content is it's much more preferred than uh, me giving you a metaphor and you having to figure out what that metaphor stands for. Um, right. <laughs> and like, I think college or education really turns people off from poetry. <laughs> they're like, Hey, what did this, this po- poet mean by a blue curtain? And sometimes it's just, I don't know. It's a blue curtain. Like that is what the author meant. And yeah. I don't want to have to digest or, or dig into what the hidden meaning was. And I think it, for me personally, it did a really big disservice um, I begrudgingly got into poetry just because I was, I felt like I was good at it. And um, so I, I went that lane, but it, the way that poetry is viewed and taught, I think really does uh, affect the way that um, readers now look at it. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking on that, do you think that there's something that we can do as a community to bring up the, the issues that poetry is facing and, and kind of push it in a in a new direction, um, and kind of give it a you know bolster it a little bit, maybe um, in how we how we approach the subject of poetry, or or just in in getting more poetry out there to the common reader. Yeah, I think um, you know just events and like for instance, I'm doing an open mic week event this whole week that I've been doing it, and I think just kind of making poetry more accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is the best way. So, you know, like sharing your friends' poems. Um, and even a lot of mainstream poets now, I think, are fixing the curve and it's going upward. You know, you have people like Christopher Poindexter, Tyler Knott Gregson, who who are doing a great job with poetry. And I've, I've even seen them where they started in their poetic journey. It was It was very simple and it was Instagram and photograph heavy. And now they are starting to move into these more in-depth you have to think about it when you read it poems. And I think it's easy to kind of break into it and then kind of change the game mm-hmm. and just to kind of get people interested. What would you say to those authors out there who who have thought about, you know, dabbling in poetry or, or they've written some poems in, in their mm-hmm. their life, but, you know, they didn't think they were a poet or or that it was that it was good enough to to even pursue? Mm hmm. Yeah, the big thing that I always hear or have observed about that is um, poetry is very personal, I think, for a lot of people, where you're writing about just your experience and your point of view and the things that are happening to you. And I think people feel like it's not good enough because they don't feel good enough. I think putting out that poetry uh, takes a lot of confidence and self-assurance. Um, yeah. but I just, I just always encourage people like, you know, someone out there will love it. You know, it may, you may have 10 people who don't like it, but someone will love it and you will affect someone in a very positive way. So just, just show up to the page and put it out there. Um, I know it's hard and it's vulnerable, but it's always worth it in the end. Right. And, and I'd love to talk a little bit more about the craft of poetry and, and the structuring of it. And and first on that on that subject, I'd love to know a little bit more about poetry in general and it's in it's, you know, the perception we have as a community and in society and as authors that if 
you know, we, we tend to think about, you know, Shakespeare's um, sonnets or, or rhyming couplets, things like that, you know, when we think of poetry. But mm-hmm. there's so much more to it. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, there are very many styles. And also there doesn't have to be a style at all. Um, you know, like I, my poems are, I guess you would call them free verse. Uh, but I don't even know if I would call it that because, you know, (laughs) sometimes there, there is some rhyming and then there's some slant rhymes and it could just be like a prose to where it's, you know, there's no rhyming at all. And it's almost just like a paragraph, but it's pretty, Mm -hmm. uh, and I, I think the best thing about any type of writing or really any, any creative outlet as you, you can forget those rules that you were taught in school. And you don't have to follow this. And, and the point of art and the point of expressing yourself is to do it the way that you want to do it. Uh, so you get to you get to create your own style, really. You know, uh, there are there are some things that I personally do that do follow a, a pattern. Like I write haiku, mm-hmm. um, and of course, that's a very strict strict format that you have to follow for it to be considered a haiku. But but even then, I I break the rules sometimes. Because <laughs> who are you to tell me that, that this isn't an official haiku when it, when it follows, I don't know, maybe 90% of the rules, but, but it's art and art is what you make it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and can you talk a little bit more actually about the, the breaking of rules and, and what, what sets apart a paragraph of a novel and a, and a paragraph of poems? Maybe just what we classify it as <laughs> and, and, and the continuation, right? So like when I, when I, when I write a poem, the thought is finished and it doesn't continue. But you know, when, when you write a novel, it, it's a string of series that all connect to each other and then you can continue on into new books. And, and I can kind of do that with poetry. Um, sometimes I do write a series where it's like maybe five go together, but they go together by like a very small thin line and it's not like actually connected. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, and and I love that you bring that up because your book Yellow Light is is broken up and structured in such a way that you just explained, correct? Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's broken out by the four seasons, and then within each season, there it's a grouping of poems that if you read it, you would think of oh, like this poem was written in the fall. Like you would get it that way, but but you wouldn't read one poem in the fall and go back and read a poem from the summer and see that they were connected. It, it, it's very just like loose connections. Right. And and what were your reasons for putting certain ones in certain seasons? Was it when you wrote them or just the feeling that you got when you read it? Um, it was when I wrote them. I can't, I can't say that there weren't maybe a few that I wrote and then after reading them as compiling, because I did carefully curate how I wanted it to flow. And so I, you know, I, I'm sure there was a poem that I writ, wrote in the wintertime that I was thinking about something that happened in the summer and put it there. But, but for the most part, they're, they were all written um, in the season that they belong to. Okay. Now, I'd love to know a little bit more about your poetic devices and, and, and what is it about your poetry specifically that if somebody looked at your book of poems, they would notice a trend or a style of some sort that they could pinpoint, oh, this, this must be an S. Elizabeth Cook poem. I would say that no matter what feeling you're feeling, whether it's heartache, you know, any type of pain, trauma, I will find the beauty and the love in it. And that's what I write about. Like I will turn it into 
something that has to do with like love or, mm-hmm. or, or longing, but even, even longing, I think is, is very love forward. And I think that's what um, is kind of my identifier. And if you read something, you would say, Oh, you know, S. Elizabeth wrote that because this is about someone's heart getting stomped on, but it's still so, you know, optimistic and, <laughs> and, and there's still love in there because, you know, I think in my opinion, all things stem from love, no matter no matter what it ends up being. And have you always been drawn to this idea of love and longing and and, and yearning um, for either another person or, or another thing? Yes. I mean, for the moment that I can remember, I've been a romantic. Uh, I mean, I in, in like middle school and high school, people would always say, you know, like, you know, you fall in love so too easy, too easily is what they would say, right? Like mm-hmm. it was, it was just something that I, um, impulsively did without considering any, any of my, you know, uh, consequences that could come out of it. And, and that's not what it was. It was just that I really did find beauty in so many people and so many things. And, you know, I, I'm engaged now and my, my fiance is fully aware (laughs) that I, (laughs) that I fell in love so, so quickly. And, and it, it, she's amazing because she understands that it doesn't take away from the love that I have for her. But yeah, I, I am a romantic at heart and nothing, nothing or no one is going to change that about me. Right. And at the end of the day, I think she knows that she holds your heart the most, right? Absolutely. She knows she's my favorite (laughs) muse. (laughs) She's, she, uh, she constantly asks, uh, if the poem I'm writing is about her, but even when I say no, she's like, cool. (laughs) But we, (laughs) We have come up with a, a secret code that if I post a poem on Instagram, there is a she has a hashtag that is secretly just for her. So if the poem wow. isn't about her, I don't include it. And that way she doesn't have to ask. <laughs> that sounds like a good little system you have, actually. Yeah, it is. It is because of one of the things that I don't like is explaining my poem. Um because in my head, I, I use the exact words I wanted to use. And I don't know how any other, what other way I could explain it, you know? So, right. so if she knows it's about her, she can at least do a little bit more of her own like self-reflection. And it, mm-hmm. if it's not about her, she'll just read it for what it is and just enjoy it. I love that. Um, and, and how have any of your poems ever gotten you in trouble with a person or, or um, an authority figure? Um, with an authority figure, no, not, not really. I, uh, but with like other partners, <laughs> for, for sure. you know, I, I think it takes, um, a really dedicated person to love an author. <laughs> we, we are emotional beings. <laughs> <laughs> do you find it difficult sometimes to write certain poems? Do they, do they really dig into you when you're writing them? Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes I write a poem and and it hurts me all over again, especially if it's it's something that I may have already processed or worked through. Um, but I don't I don't see healing as linear, and I also don't see healing as permanent. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there could have been something that I processed and worked through and written about it as much as I could write about it, and then something sparks something where I want to write about it again, and it just opens that wound all over all over again, but, um, I enjoy it. I really do. I, I love to feel my feelings and I don't know if I'm a weirdo like that, but I like to also hurt. I think it really, um, it lends well to some great art when I'm in pain. Yeah. And I'm sure it it really is therapeutical, right. In a way. And, and, uh, and, and helps you to grow as a person. 
It does. Yeah. It, it allows me to process the feelings myself first before mm-hmm. projecting that onto someone else. And I, I, I'm sure that that saved countless relationships. I, I would imagine that if you, if you tend to, to do what you do and, and write about your, your lovers or your um, significant others, then, then it could cause a problem if it's, uh, if you say the wrong thing or at the wrong time, right? Yes. And then post it <laughs> for everyone to read. Yes. <laughs> that, that is another thing too, is that um, I, I definitely don't post any of my poems on Facebook because I think that that's a, not the right platform for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on Instagram, you know, it, and it is a conversation that I have with a lot of my partners, you know, before, especially if you're going to come enter some type of a relationship with me, you're aware of what I do <laughs> and you're, you're <laughs> you know, you're aware that I put my feelings on display. I'm very free with them, but that that's also why I tried to add a little mystery to where if you read it, maybe you weren't immediately thinking, oh, she must be, you know, in in a fight with her partner or something like mm-hmm. that, or or her she she just got her heart broken because of this person. Um, I try to write it so that it's it's for you and you're seeing yourself in it, um, and not so specifically about what I'm experiencing. Right. Uh, do you ever read your own poems again after many years or after publication, and and return to those those places of of deep emotion or? Does you, or even does your mind just immediately start tearing apart the poem that's in that book that's that's already published? Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, if, if I'm reading one that I wrote maybe five years ago, I would have been like, why did I ever put this in the public eye? It's so terrible. <laughs> um, but something I have also enjoyed about my poetry is that um, it grows with me. And so there are some that are, I think are so set in stone that if I read it, it will take me right back to the moment uh, that I that I was fe- what I was feeling and what I when I wrote it. But mm. what I what I enjoy is reading them and finding new meaning, um, and, and just seeing that as I've matured or as I as I've healed, you know, I can read it now and it it just take on a whole new shape. And what I intended for it to be about, it is no longer about that. That's so interesting that the interpretation can can change in such a dramatic way. Yeah, I mean, I think everything is, you know, relative and relevant to what we're experiencing at the time. And um, perception definitely plays a huge role into it. Do you have a poem that's specifically, you would say, is your favorite poem you've ever written? And is it one that you've published? Um, I think it changes over time. I do currently have a favorite poem that I've written, and it is in Yellow Light, um, I, so I, I don't know, when I was like deep into writing the manuscript, I started watching the show Spartacus on Netflix. <laughs> um, incredible show, 10 out of 10 recommend. Um, but it's, I got so into this story and this character and what he was feeling. And, and also they were like, it was a time period, it was a period piece. So they were right. speaking in what they, what they think the language would have been at the time. <laughs> and, so I, I got obsessed with the Spartacus character and I wanted to write what was going on in his mind. And I also wanted to write about other things. So I, I wrote um, Spartacus, the bringer of rain is the title of that poem and it, it's in yellow light. And then I have two poems after that um, titled after his two lovers that were that were also in the show. And 
And apparently, you know, he's a legend. So if he existed or not, but there's this whole like history about him and stuff. And so I did a lot of research into that. And, and I think that one is those three are my favorite because of the work that I put into it. Mm -hmm. And it is completely separated from me. I have no skin in the game in this part of his (laughs) character. So I'm, I'm writing like only about this person and his feelings. Right. You're saying Spartacus was not one of your lovers. Spartacus was not. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's interesting that you bring this up, the the idea of research with your poetry, because I, I was actually interested to know how much research goes into a poem sometimes or, or haiku. And, and oftentimes the other side of it, how much do you just, like you said, free write and just let your thoughts flow? Yeah. So it, it depends on what I'm writing. I'm getting really into writing in in what I would describe as as like period piece language. Mm-hmm. So it, it's not the English language as we know today, but I'll tap into maybe like some old English or or maybe some like England inspired syntax and stuff like that. And so sometimes I do look up to say, okay, how would this have been said? Or maybe how did they structure the way that they would have a conversation um as opposed to like how we would do now. Cause I, I think now we use a lot of like, you know, short term languages or um, we, we try to th- say things much more quickly and maybe a little less elegantly. So I, I'm, I'm really getting into um, some old type, old type stuff. And so, so it does take a little bit of research just to make sure that I'm uh, saying things correctly. Do you ever feel yourself slipping into this, this style of language in your daily life? Uh, sometimes, yeah, my fiance will be like, Are, you're just like speaking in poems. Like, you know? <laughs> or like, I'll say something and she'll just be like, you're such a writer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd say that's a compliment, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't, I take, I take that very highly. Thank you. I worked very hard <laughs> to, be, to be a writer. Do you feel that the the style of, of language that you just expressed in, in your current project is because of your publisher and their location in the in the world? You know, that is a great question. Um, I think subconsciously that has something to do with it because it's always in the back of my mind that Olympia is, is based, you know, in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, they do have, you know, they do have a U.S. office here. So you know, here as in the U.S., mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, you know, they, they also do market from that distribution list. But I think by being a signed author with them, I've also had other authors under their um, publication reach out to me and we've connected. And so it's just opened my eyes of like what, what type of people are reading my work and, and, and I'm also reading their work. So it's just inspiring me. And then also we're just watching a bunch of, of period piece television right now that, that's, <laughs> that's also leaking into my writing. Right. Yeah. Uh, period dramas are, and, uh, and TV shows are, are making their, their big splash right now um, at the time of recording, especially uh, the show Bridgerton, I believe, is uh, blowing up. Yes, yeah, that we just finished that, and I did write a poem um, from from one of those episodes. It's it's in my my new project that has not been shared yet. That's exciting. Now, I'd love to to ask you again about transitioning into possibly self publishing because you did mention the thought of of stepping away from traditional or at least thinking about maybe doing the hybrid option of, of publishing under a publishing house with certain things and, and maybe self-publishing others. Is, is that a possibility? And, 
And if so, what's the, what was the reason for the decision? You know, Lena, I'm going to be honest with you. You were a, a huge inspiration in potentially going back to the self-publishing realm. I think that the things that I've witnessed you do has been incredible. Um, and it, oh, wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, <laughs> and it's, it's inspiring. And I think at this time of my life, I have the drive to do it. And I think I have the resources and I think I have the network that I can, I can tap into for, you know, assistance or, uh, you know, just, just getting opinions um, or, you know, people to help me and, and promote in, in any way that I need them. But I, I will say the another huge driver is this next book that I'm publishing. I would like to have a heavy hand in the illustration. Um, mm. So, I'm, you know, not just a the book cover, but I would like illustrations to accompany the poems itself. And I feel like I won't have as much control over that with a publisher, nor do I know if they want to do that. So, so that's something that like, you know, I have to work out with them and figure out, but um, I am leaning I'm I'm highly leaning towards the self-publishing route for this book. Okay. And, and this is not to say that you're, you're seeking um, entirely self-publishing as a whole. You're just thinking about possibly doing self-publishing for certain projects and, and traditional for others, right? Yes, correct. And what other what other projects do you have in mind besides this period piece that you're you're working on currently? Do you have other things on the on the back burner? And and if so, can you share about what what they are are inspired by, or or just a little snippet of not not necessarily a sample of them, but just mm-hmm. an idea of what you're working on? Yeah, I, I have a few things going uh, in play right now. Um, I'm feeling a little scattered because of it. Usually I have just like one thing <laughs> to, to work on, but, but the haiku project has been going on now for like five or six years and I, I'm wrapping that one up. Um, that one I'm really excited about just because it's been going on for so long and I'm, I'm excited to see it, you know, come to life. And then right. and I do have this, this period piece and it's, it's, um, a mixture of what I, what I'm trying to do is, is if you're reading a book of letters, but, but I want them to read as poems. Um, but it's definitely in letter format. And I, don't know, I'm really, I haven't worked out, you know, what that whole, whole thing looks like, but I'm excited about it. Um, and then over the last year, you know, some, some writers out there may be able to relate to this, but I'm very happy and I'm very in love. And sometimes it's hard to write, when, you know, when I'm in, in this, this mode. <laughs> and so this last year, I've, I've stepped out of my comfort zone to not write about you know, my personal experiences with people, but instead about what's going on in the world, because, you know, 2020 was crazy and there was a lot to say about it. So I, oh, I, yeah. I was, I was trying to just tap into that a little bit more, um, which I found to be much more difficult than I expected, but very <laughs> rewarding, very rewarding. That's great. And, and I mean, it's, it's both fortunate and unfortunate, right? That you're so happy now yeah. um, that you have, trouble uh bringing certain emotions back <laughs> yeah it is it's always a a hard conversation when you tell your muse that you're not inspired <laughs> and it's like it's like it's a good thing it's because you're not breaking my heart yeah yeah maybe she should try just a little bit every now and then to yeah. just stab it a bit <laughs> keep me on my toes i need the drama yeah <laughs> so i'd love to know just your your words of wisdom and and advice for all those authors out there listening. Yeah. I mean, honestly, just write, you know, if, if you are 
thinking about writing, if you're writing, but you're in a low point, if you are, um, if you have, have been writing for so long and you took a break or you're whatever, whatever the reason may be, I think you just have to show up to the page and you have to write because writers write. I love that. Uh, and also, if people are interested in finding out more about you or your books, where can they find that information? Yeah, so you can go to my Instagram, um, which is s.elizabethcook. I also have a website, s.elizabethpoetry.org. Um, if you want to get my latest book, Yellow Light, just head on over to Amazon, type in Yellow Light S. Cook, and it'll, it'll pop up. Or um, definitely, you know, give me a follow on Instagram and connect with me. I love collaborating with other authors, even if we're not in the same style. Um, or even if you're not an author and you maybe you work in a different creative route, I, I really like to combine my poetry with something else that someone is doing just to make a, you know, a larger work of art. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks, Lane. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. This has been another episode of Indie No, a podcast hosted by me, Lane Northcutt, author and creative. I hope you enjoyed today's guest and that you went away from this episode feeling a little bit more Indie No.